Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. One of the fun things that I get as a pastor is I love hearing what's going on in your life, just like David here. I love the stories of what's happening. And, and earlier this week, someone stopped by my office and he's like, he, we we're having some conversations and he's like, Scott, can I tell you something first before we talk about those other things? I said, yeah, what's up? He said, man, one of the coolest things that's happened recently, and I haven't told you yet. He said, but um, recently the top 20% of my company, uh, the people who finished in the top 20% of our company, we were invited to share um, kind of how or why you found success in life. And, and, and how you found success in becoming that top 20%. And I'm sure you know the conversations that would go on there, what leads to success. Well, this person, a friend in the church, he said, Scott, I took this opportunity and I got up in front of them and I said, listen, just a few years ago, I left my job and what I was doing and I decided this is where God was taking me. He said, I wasn't secure about it. I, I didn't know if I it would be any good. I didn't really feel like I, would, I was worthy of the position, but I decided I'm going to go ahead. I'm going I'm to take this, and I'm going I'm to go this direction in life. And he told them, he said, I had to trust Jesus every step of the way, and this is my foundation for my success. And then he shared, uh, actually, one of the messages that I shared a couple years ago that really stuck with him. It was, I don't know if you were here, but um, I, I shared the might that I got from Israel and how my personal insecurities over years of, 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 of who I was and how God was going to use me. And, and I shared a message with that might where simply you bring what you've got and God takes care of the rest. You're not, you're not in charge of the results. You're just in charge of coming and bringing what you've got. And he shared that with his, with his own life. Well, he got done sharing this story, and, 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 and the meeting ended, and, and whatever, and, and we talk about it later, and he says, I got an email from one of the people in my company, one of the bosses, and she was expressing what it meant to her, and so forth. He says, but Scott, the greatest thing that happened, he said, a couple days later, one of the guys that was listening, he came to me, and he began to talk to me about his struggles, talking about what was going on in his life. And he began to have this conversation about how do I trust Jesus in this? We began to talk about who Jesus was because he was willing to share. And he said, I've had two conversations since that all it took was a little bit of me opening up about my life. And now I'm having these conversations about Jesus. And I just said, man, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you, us, when we go through life that way, and I want to talk about that today. You've probably heard of a man named Aristotle. Aristotle once said, we are what we repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence is not an act, but a habit. We are what we repeatedly do. So excellence is not just an act, but it's a habit. Every person, every family, every team, and every organization has a culture, a culture of habits. Now, some teams or some organizations, they never talk about it. It just kind of just happens. But the best ones talk about what the culture is supposed to be. 
I have told you many times that I believe that God has called one hope to be a people of hope in a world that is so hopeless often. That I believe that God has called us to know where our hope comes from and then to share that hope everywhere we go. And so for the next four weeks, next four weeks, all of August, if, if, if you're a guest with us today and you kind of want to know what kind of church we are, you want to know kind of what we're about, all August we're having a conversation of, I believe, cultures that God wants to grow and uh, solidify in our church that keep hope alive, not only in this place, but in the world around us. That I believe there are cultures that need to grow, that it's not a one-time act, but a habit of the way we as a church live our lives. So that being said, I want to get right into the first one this week, that I believe one of the cultures that God wants to solidify, maybe even grow in us, I'm going to call it a culture of sending. A culture of sending. Now, what I want to answer today is why, how, and what that really is. In Matthew chapter 9, it says that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Now, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about the culture that Jesus is speaking into, or even the disciples, the culture they're coming out of, but one of the things I was reminded of this week is that the Jewish culture is not really of a, a go-and-tell culture, okay? In our minds, we, you've been brought up in the church, we kind of have this inside of us, we're supposed to share, go, and, and tell about Jesus, Right? But in Jewish culture, it wasn't really that. It was either you were a Jew or you were not a Jew. It was, it was more what you were born into. And now Jesus is about to change their lives. Jesus is about to do a work in the disciples' life that was going to shape the future of humanity, especially Christianity. But where did this begin? This culture of sending into the world that many of you know, but where, what's the foundation and where did it begin specifically in um, those early disciples' lives that have carried on through history? I think we see it started in Matthew chapter 4. Once again, maybe a familiar verse you've heard before, but Matthew chapter 4, it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Now, verse 21, he says, going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. So you know what they were doing? Jesus called them. Now, you know these four disciples, Peter, 
Andrew, James, and John, if you grew up in the church, you know what their answer to the invitation in this moment was. If you've grown up in the church, you know that they drop their nets and like they begin to follow Jesus with their lives. But what if for a moment we forget we know the answer to the question? What if for a moment we just put a pause and we don't know what their answer is to this invitation to follow them? If you were just looking onto this scene, is there a possibility that you would look and go, no way they say yes? Forget knowing what the answer is. Is there a chance that you're walking on and go, no chance they say yes without knowing what they're walking into? Without knowing, with knowing that there's no built-in assurances, they have no idea what they're saying yes to. This new life that Jesus is offering, is there a chance we're looking on and saying, there's no way they say yes to changing who they are as people? Because a yes in this scenario changes who they are. It's going to change their identity. It's going to change how they live every day. And identity's a pretty big deal, isn't it? Identity's a really big deal in life. And these four guys had a, an identity already built into who they are. They, they were, to be a fisherman was a thing. It was a career. It was how they provided. It most likely was a family business. It's all that they knew. Were they really going to give that up just simply because Jesus says, hey, come follow me? Our identity comes from a lot of things, too. Our identity comes from our last name. Our identity can come from who our spouse is or who our kids are. Our identity comes from our job, from our talents, from our successes, sometimes our failures. Our identity comes from what people say about us. Our identity comes from a lot of things. This invitation from Jesus put these guys in a predicament. They had to make a decision that was going to change their life one way or the other. And they did. What I want you to see this morning is the same predicament that they find themselves in. We find ourselves in that every single day. This invitation is put on our lap every day. What are we going to do? Jesus says, will you follow me? It's going to change a ton about your life. It's going to change who you are and how you identify, but will you follow me? I want to remind you this morning as you come and we gather as a church that saying yes to Jesus isn't just about being forgiven for our sins. It's about saying yes to a new way of living. That when these people sit in this tub and we baptize them, they aren't just saying, yes, I believe in Jesus. They're saying, yes, I want to live a different life. Jesus says, will you give your life to me? Which means it's going to be a life where we go and minister to the broken and the hopeless and the lost in this world. 
How does a culture of sending begin? A culture of sending begins when we say yes to a life of ministry. The culture that I think that God wants to cement and make a foundation to who we are as a church is that we aren't just people who say yes to Jesus, we believe in you. We say yes to living sent in a world that needs us to say, I am going to live a life of ministry just like the disciples did. But this is the problem for some people sometimes because in this there are hurdles, there are insecurities. Much like the person that I was talking about at the beginning going into this new job that he's supposed to think he's supposed to do, there's a feeling of unworthiness, there's a feeling of I don't know how this is going to turn out, there's a feeling of I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do in this, I just feel like I'm supposed to do it. For many of us we say no or we keep a wall up to a life of ministry because we aren't sure if we have what it takes. Sure, the disciples did this, but they're the disciples. That's not me. The problem with this thought process is Jesus never said to us, go be awesome today with what you have at your disposal. You go do great things today. I'll be back here watching you. Amy even may be clapping for you. This thought process is not how Jesus wants us to walk into a life of ministry. Actually, Jesus says the opposite. On one of his last words before he went and ascended into heaven, he tells the disciples, this is how you're going to change the world as you go and minister to it. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. Can I just tell you that I believe a culture of sending starts with saying yes to a life of ministry, but a culture of sending is empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the catalyst to the movement of God in our life and the rest of the world. The Holy Spirit wants to do a work in you as he does a work through you that it is not on you to be awesome in ministry. Your job is to say yes to Jesus and then allow the Holy Spirit to be the one that takes control of our lives. And when this happens, the Holy Spirit begins to give us things that we need for ministry. And the first thing is he gives us a heart that is other-centered versus self-centered. Jesus came to this earth and said, I came to serve, not to be served. Can I tell you the shift that the Holy Spirit wants to make in our life as we are living sent into this world is he wants us to wake up in the morning with an other-centered mindset versus a self centered mindset. We will not live in the power of the Spirit. We will not live in a movement that God wants us to live in as he sends us into the world if we don't have the heart that says, I serve more than I'm served. That I give myself away more than I receive. And you know something when it's the Holy Spirit, it's the opposite of what our culture tells us. Every day our culture tells us it's about you. And then the Holy Spirit comes in and says it's not about you. It's about others. 
the Holy Spirit changes our hearts. But sometimes when we're living in this, we're like, I don't know what, this, what I'm supposed to do. I don't know how this plays out. I, I don't even know, okay, if I say yes, what's that mean? What am I saying yes to? What if I don't know what to do when I'm out in the world trying to live for Jesus? This is why the Holy Spirit also gives us wisdom beyond ourselves. You know, sometimes we worry about things that we should never worry about because the things we worry about never actually come to fruition. You know this about your life, right? I forget the percentage they say, the things we worry about, like the percentage that actually ever happens. Sometimes we get, we get so... Um, like the insecurity takes over so much that we never live out what God has called us to because we're worried about what happens in that moment. What if God wants us to take a risk to put ourselves in moments we don't know what to do because the Holy Spirit is what guides us in those moments. We get wisdom we never had before. We have thoughts we've never had before. We, we're able to see how we're supposed to react and do in ways we never could before. And we, should, we didn't need to know what we're supposed to do before that moment, but the Holy Spirit always arrives at the right time in the right way that walks us through us being sent. The Holy Spirit gives us wisdom that's beyond ourselves. The third thing is the Holy Spirit gives new vision for new opportunities. Do you know when we say yes and the Holy Spirit empowers us, we begin to see things and people in a brand new way? Have you ever experienced this before? That how you viewed people, how you viewed situations was one way before you gave your life to Jesus, before you were empowered by the Spirit, and then all of a sudden, you, the life change happens, you go, I'm seeing people in a brand new way. People that you kept at a distance, all of a sudden you embrace. Situations you were afraid of, now you embrace. Opportunities to do ministry you never saw before, but as the Holy Spirit empowers us, we begin to see, oh, I never saw that before, but let me jump into this. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. And then the last one of this is the Holy Spirit gives courage to be bold. Some of the most bold people I've run into are not people you'd ever expect because in themselves, they're actually very maybe introverted. They may be people who uh, are a little more hesitant in life, but when the Holy Spirit empowers, it gives us a boldness for the truth, to speak life. A boldness and a courage to step into situations and with people we never were before. And, and, and without the Holy Spirit working in, we're a little cautious. But all of a sudden, there's a boldness that says, I know where I need to speak into. I know where I need to minister. I know what I should be doing. And this is not me, but is the Holy Spirit working in me. And I will step into this. There's a boldness and a courage that comes when we say yes to living a life and ministry in a way we never did before. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to work in us. And there's a boldness that comes out and says, says, I don't want to miss this opportunity. A courage is there I never had before, and I will take a risk, and I will do things that out, inside myself I would never do. But the Holy Spirit changes everything. When we step into the Holy Spirit empowering us, it changes how we wake up and how we operate in the day. But I want to remind you, saying yes to Jesus is just the first step. 
Saying yes to Jesus didn't mean the movement of changing the world came to fruition with the disciples. It happened when they said yes, and then the Holy Spirit came. We see in the book of Acts, that's when it happened. Because God is still doing the heavy lifting in life. We're just people who are saying, I'm willing to be used by you to change the world. So this culture of sending that I believe God wants us to have, it's saying yes to a life in ministry. It is empowered by the Holy Spirit. But the third thing is that a culture of sending calls us to represent Jesus to the world. There are 188 U.S. ambassadors around the world. Do you know that? 188 people that go around the world, their job is to represent this country's values, beliefs, all the things in other places. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. As though God is making his appeal to the world. As God is trying to get the world to see who he is, we are the ones that are making that appeal in how we live. I told you about a friend um, that came and shared this week as we talked in my office. I got another text from a buddy. And, and we've talked before, he's a professor at the university, and he has his PhD students, and he's talked before of just the, the, the desire to be the professor that, that is, is, is necessary, or the professor to be someone who's encouraging, to be the professor that changes lives in there, but often not sure how that works, and he's been in this conversation about how God's been growing him and, and using him, and, and it changes, it's changed how he operates in the class, and he talked about this student he had, and and writing kind of like the, a paper that they're maybe struggling with or a paper that need to be submitted. And he found himself praying for this student. He found himself, and I know this because the person he has found himself living in front of that student so that they could see Jesus in him in the process. Talked about how he carries himself in, in, in class and in these conversations so that people can see something different in him. And recently, a, a paper was submitted, and, and he was able to text his wife a simple text that said, and I won't give the names, but I think this paper is done. But I got to talk to this person's family, and the conversation came up that he had been praying for their child. Ended up that this family, they, uh, the, the dad was a pastor he didn't know, and one of the things that the dad said to him was, I'm so glad that my child has you as a professor that prays over and, and lives this life as an example while they're here at the university. And I began to think about my friend, and I know he does, an incredible human being, but I'm like, this is what it looks like to be an ambassador every single day, everywhere you are, because to be an ambassador of Jesus means when we're representing Jesus, it changes the way, it changes the way we talk. It changes our conversations. When we are representing Jesus, it changes how we put ourselves out in the world and the words that we use. 
Every day, you have an opportunity to edify and build up or tear down and push away. Every day, you have the opportunity to speak in a way that people see Jesus come through you. Every day, we have an opportunity to be sent and be ambassadors for people to see, oh, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus and how we talk. But it's not just how we talk. When, we're rep- when our lives are representing Jesus, it changes the way we act. Do you know we're being watched all the time? Do you know that people make judgments about who Jesus is based on what we, not just what we say, but how we act? Moments when faith or when 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 situations should destroy us, but faith steps in and they see someone who really trusts Jesus. Do you know that that makes a difference as people watch how we live? When we represent Jesus, it's not only things that we say in our conversations, it's the life that we're living, that we end up being the hands and feet of Jesus, and we may be the only ambassador that is is making an appeal to this world for Jesus. And the last one is when we represent Jesus, it changes the way we pray. Why I tell about my friend, I love that he is a professor, literally is praying for his students actively praying for the people that he wants God to use in their life. And every day you have an opportunity to be praying for people in your lives, praying that God will bring you opportunities, pray that God will show you who you need to be sent to. Today, this Back to School Blessing Sunday, We have an opportunity to live out what it means to be sent by God every day. We're going to pray for those people in, in all the schools and students, adults, all of it. But this is an us thing. As a church of One Hope, we have to be people who see in Scripture that, that Jesus says, No, I'm sending you out into this world. I'm going to empower you by the Spirit. But you're my ambassador. Your conversations, your actions, how you pray. Like you are, I am using you in this world. And I'll tell you, this is my specific prayer for us. But today, if we can even lock in a little bit more, you who are going to school in one way or another, you don't wake up in the morning and just go to your respective places. You get to wake up and be on mission every single day to change people's lives. And I know in the back of your head you know this, but oftentimes the task goes over top the mission. And I'm not going to tell you to not care about the task. What I'm going to say is can we live that one of our tasks or the covering of our task is that we are a mission people accomplishing what God has called us to accomplish, students. There are kids, fellow students, who need to see and hear about Jesus in your life. And God is empowering you as you give your life to him. You don't have to do it on your own. But you don't have to be a pastor to be in ministry. Adults, you don't have to be on a stage on Sunday to have a platform for ministry every day. I think one of the lies the enemy gives us is you come to church, Pastor Scott does the ministry, and then we go back to life. 
I would rather be like a coach that talks and brings, brings back what's important, and then we all go out as a team, as people in ministry. So today, um, we're going to pray for this, that it happens. We're going to pray that this is the story of one hope and the people who are going out. So I want to invite Meredith Lett, will you come up? And I want to invite every single adult that you have any place in any school in the system, will you stand up for me? Will you stand right now? You, 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 you work in the school, you, you, you teach, you, you drive the bus, you work in the cafeteria, you're at University of Alabama, you're in a high school, middle school, elementary school, anywhere. Um, I've known Meredith for many years now. She had Jackson in class when he was in fourth grade, yeah? Yes. And Meredith is highly respected in this community for the teacher that she is. And I said, Meredith, will you pray over these people because you know what it's like to be in that mission field. And so she's going to pray in a second, but I want to tell you this. We don't walk into this alone, and so you see people around you. Will you stand up and just gather around those people that you see and just put a hand on their shoulder? Will you move real quick? Because as a church, we are here for each other. If there's no one close to you, it's fine, but will you join us in prayer? Everybody being prayed for. Meredith, will you say a blessing and a covering of prayer today as you're even walking into the same world? Dear God, we come before you just so thankful for this opportunity to pray for our students and all of the adults in the buildings that they will spend their day. God, we come together as a unified body of believers and professionals that have devoted our lives to the children that you created. God, we know that these children were created on purpose and for a purpose. Please use us to help them see that purpose. I want them to see you in us. God, we don't know what goes before us this school year, but I pray that you have been before us, that you will place a hedge of protection around every bus, every school, every university. God, I want these children to walk in their classrooms and their schools, get on their bus every day and feel safe, feel protected, feel loved. God, I pray for every teacher that you will just give us the words to say that our students will see you in us. I pray for every bus driver that, that you will use them in a mighty way. They have such a mission field and they have such an awesome responsibility of keeping our children safe. God, for the cafeteria workers that may provide the only meal that child eats during a day, I pray that you use them to speak words of encouragement and love into these children and to provide nourishment to their bodies so that they can learn. God, our school counselors and social workers and principals and teachers and so many other professionals in our buildings, 
they are going to come in contact with families that need you. Use us to serve them. Thank you for the freedom that we have to educate all of our children every day. We love you and we want to serve you. Let us be your ambassadors this school year. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We do. We believe in you. We love you. We pour blessings on you this year. We pray that God's special story through your life will be seen and that you will feel like he's carrying you. You will literally feel his peace and his, his strength in your life. Now we have students, elementary, middle school, high school. Well, your students, will you stand up? All the kids, all the... You stand. You're in college. You're in high school. I'm going to ask Gloria, our kid spot director, to come up. And the same thing for you. Maybe as a family, or if you see people around, will you, will you join around and will you cover... These students. We know life isn't easy growing up. We know this world wants to distract and tear apart these students away from God. So we cover and we bless as they walk into a world that needs to see and hear about Jesus through their lives. And so, Gloria, you cover them today. So our verse for back to school blessing this year is 1 Timothy 4.12. I'd like to read it to you. It says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Instead, set an example for all believers in your speech, in your conduct, in your love, in your faith, and in purity. Will you join me in praying that over our students? Dear God, we just thank you so much that we can be here today to worship you, and we lift up every single student that's in this room right now, whether they're in kindergarten, kindergarten starting school or whether they're 50 and going back to school. God, we lift them all up to you, God, and our prayer today is that they would know that their identity, their value, and their worth is found in you, in you alone. God, we pray that in knowing that and in following you, God, that you would give them confidence and boldness as they walk throughout their days, God, and in everything that they do. And God, we pray that, um, that we, they would take today's message to heart, God, that they would not just receive their salvation from you, but that they would walk in it and that they would set an example for other believers. God, we pray for their speech. The Bible says that the words that come out of our mouth is an overflow of what's in our hearts. And so, God, we pray for the heart condition of every student here. God, we pray that you would give them a pure heart, a heart that longs for you. We pray that you would sanctify them, just continue to refine them and make them more like you so that the words they speak are words of life and not of death. The words they speak will build others up and not tear them down. The words they speak will give honor and glory to you. And God, we pray for their conduct. God, we pray that you would give them eyes to see, ears to hear, and softened hearts to see every 
every moment as an opportunity to serve you and to serve other people. God, we pray that you would put godly friends around them that would point them to you, that would encourage them to just love you and honor you, God, in everything that they do, whether it's in their schoolwork, in sports, whether they're um, just going to the grocery store with their family, whatever it may be, God, we pray that their conduct would be such that would honor you and glorify you and point other people to you at all times. And God, we pray that you would gift them with supernatural love. God, we know that every person is made in your image. They are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so, God, we ask that our students would see others the way that you see them, God. That they would see um, just an opportunity to love every person. We pray that you would let them be the ones that are courageous enough to look for those who might need a friend or who might feel left out or those who just might need an encouraging word. And so, God, we just pray that you would give them the boldness to step out um, and just love others in a way that makes the world wonder what is different about them. God, we pray that you would give them a faith, God, because we know that it's not a matter of if, but when hard times come. And so, God, we pray that every student here would have a supernatural faith that could not be shaken by anything, God, that they would stand firm in you and they would know no matter what comes, they can stand firm in their faith in you, that you have a plan for them and that you know what's going to happen and that you will take care of them because you love them so, so much. And finally, God, we ask for purity. God, we pray for purity of mind, body, spirit, and soul. God, we pray that you would just protect the purity of our students. We pray that you would put your armor on them daily and every moment from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, God. We pray that you would protect them against any attack of the enemy that may come. We rebuke that in Jesus' name. God, we pray that you would put a hedge of protection around them, that you would give your angels charge over them, and that they would know that there is nothing that they cannot do, no battle they can't fight, nothing that can come against them because you are on their side. God, we pray that at the end of the day, these students would know you, that they would love you, that they would follow you every day of their life. And God, we give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Will you all stand? Will everybody stand today? The desire, I think, of, of God's heart for this place is that every single one of us leave today with the mentality that we are sent into this world to point people to where hope is found. May your life demonstrate it. May your mouth speak it. May we pray for opportunities to show it. That as the Holy Spirit empowers you, may we live in this life of ministry that God has called every believer when we say yes to him. So go be hope givers this week. And I can't wait to see you next week. I love you. And you're dismissed. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.